WKNC 88.1. You guys were just listening to some new music from Crowdsource. That was called Go Like This. Um, that is off of an upcoming album that you guys are going to be hearing soon from Crowdsource. And I am joined right now by Phil Torres. Hello. Also known as Crowdsource, I guess. And also was involved with Baobab, who we have played quite a bit of here mm-hmm. at WKNC. I believe last time that Phil was in the studio was for the Artist of the Month feature. They were our first Artist of the Month. We have been going pretty steady with that now. So we got a Strangers for this month. For those of you that are not aware, um, that interview happened this past week, I believe. And that will be able to stream online at our blog along with this interview, which we are about to jump right into. Um, so I'm really excited for this episode because uh, you and Adam are kind of like sitting atop this like electronic thing going on here in the local music scene because not a whole lot of people are doing it and that's kind of a total bummer for me and i'm sure you as well um so first off to jump into it like what what do you think it is about this area that has made it so that there's there's not so much people jumping into a more i guess contemporary mind frame Uh to go with it for this electronic music because people are kind of implementing a little bit here and there yeah but not in bulk yeah i'm i'm not really entirely sure uh i mean obviously there's a a tradition uh uh that's that's associated with the area which is acoustic and i you know it goes a long way back um so yeah i don't know but there there does seem to be a sort of uh slowly burgeoning uh, new sort of electronic uh uh community here so i don't know i find that really exciting and and maybe there even could be some sort of interesting and unique uh influence between the more acoustic uh roots of the you know of north carolina and then these these new emerging artists who are more right uh, uh interested in electronic uh textures and, and so on like with baobab yes exactly <laughs> like, I, I feel like baobab was uh was definitely a a sort of amalgam of um the acoustic folky kind of stuff and then this much more you know electronic uh, right uh, aspect so um it's it's actually in terms of genre i i always had difficulty uh trying to identify what genre baobab would fall in i think folktronic uh, is, <laughs> okay. is the best so that's a nice sort of portmanteau that makes explicit that the the sort of combining of the folk aspect right and the electronic aspect and and with crowdsource it's just uh a little bit further yeah, uh, kind of digging deeper into the rabbit hole of the electronic. Exactly, so yeah. So if you had difficulty categorizing Baobab, how would you categorize Crowdsource? Because we all know the electronic scene is, like, very, like, they have so many little, like, genre pockets, mm-hmm. or it's, like, what, how would you stylize Crowdsource in the electronic frame? Okay, um, so it's, it's a very good question. Um, there's, uh, let's see, how do I put this? Um, you know, Crowdsource, uh... I, I wasn't I wasn't super familiar with electronic music, uh, generally speaking, before uh, I started Crowdsource, um, and that was was five months ago. I started working on the EP. Uh, at that point, to be honest, I had never even used MIDI before. Really, I, I didn't know anything about MIDI. Um, so I spent maybe two weeks learning MIDI, and then compo- start composing all these these songs uh, using MIDI and using various uh, virtual instruments like massive and fm8 uh so so the point being i don't i'm not really conversant enough with 
uh, the electronic music scene right. to to have an inf- to say something informed about where it would sort of fall yeah. uh, in terms of categories. But I, I also thought initially from the beginning, um, there's something, uh, you know, whenever you you there's a foray into some sort of new realm. There are all, that could be fraught with all sorts of problems because you you don't know how to navigate it. Right. But also there's a extraordinary opportunity to uh, to do something new precisely because you you aren't familiar with the the conventions. Right. And, and so so I, I thought a lot about that and that was actually a kind of uh, a motivation to move maybe even more electronic um, to basically to do something that where I didn't really know. Uh, what I was doing yeah. exactly, okay. um, and so hopefully, you know, I, I mean, I'm pretty pleased with the the results, and hopefully, um, they are, you know, kind of unique or something like yeah, that. Yeah, well, I can but, definitely see uh, one of the things that I've seen follow along through Baobab and through the bit of crowdsource that I've yeah. gotten to hear is the the like world music influence, the like syncopated sure. rhythms, Absolutely. Yeah. the sample vocals that we heard, um, mm-hmm. but. Tracking back slightly, uh, you mentioned that this is kind of like the first time you've uh, messed around with MIDI. So what what were you using to compose the electronic aspects of Baobab? Was it just solely like analog instruments and synths, or yeah, it was it was all uh, uh, all analog synthesizers, um, and <laughs> every now and then I would uh, I would use uh, the various tools in in Pro Tools. Or whatever DAW I was using to modify them, but it was definitely analog from the start. It was waveforms all the way through. They weren't just little bits of information in, right. in some sort of matrix, um, time versus pitch, and then filtered through you know a virtual instrument or some kind of plugin like that. Um, so I actually remember when we we talked last time we talked, you you asked me about that, and I said yeah I don't do MIDI. And you were like, "Oh, that's such a relief." <laughs> yeah, because so, it's it's since then like, I've definitely moved yeah. much more towards MIDI. And it's so. it's I feel like I've also kind of grown to adopt the MIDI culture as well. Yeah, it's something real interesting. And to, earlier today, I was actually seeing um, that there is a Kickstarter campaign going for a, a MIDI controller that picks up the like biofrequencies of plants. Okay, and it it like grabs their frequencies and turns them into MIDI notes, and okay. there's like orchestrations of like plants. So yeah. it's really cool to see. Just before we started talking about the technology and how this technology is like impacting the music that is sure. being made now. Yeah, it's like we there's just so many different areas that things are pulling from that I feel like you know you were talking about you not being familiar with electronic very much it does enable people to blaze these new paths and create these totally new forms of genres almost under yeah. this electronic umbrella yeah it's it's extraordinary uh, my, my partner uh whitney Trittine and i uh, have been meeting to uh to take for example uh a picture you know uh, a, a jpeg um you know png document something which is is uh ultimately nothing more than you know a huge string of ones and zeros uh, and basically take that exact uh, combination, but convert it into an MP3 or something. So you know, I, I mean, there are programs right now right. that will basically read pictures, and it'll it'll assign you know if there's red or something, it'll be a certain pitch, or if it's if it's brighter, it'll be louder. Okay. So you can basically hear. Uh, I know Na- NASA does this. You can listen to you know the sounds in, in right of you know uh, supernova or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's it's really. I mean, all these are, uh, possibilities are are very fascinating to me, and um, yeah. 
it's re it's exciting. That's one of the things that I've gotten that has gotten me into electronic music is because there's a lot of music out there right now, and there's a lot of it that in like the nicest way possible doesn't feel like it's gonna get to evolve much more. It's mm-hmm. it feels like there's a lot that we've heard that we're just gonna keep on hearing, and I don't feel that way about electronic music because you can create your own sounds, and it's something that's just so interesting about the genre to me and. I'm excited to delve a lot more into the crowdsource stuff with you. But first, we're going to take a brief trip back and check out a little bit of Baobab for some cool. folks. All right. So they can yeah. kind of get the the feel of what this was before and how mm-hmm. your music has evolved into crowdsource. So we are going to hear uh, Low Dallin Bay, and that was from the self-titled Baobab album that came out uh, last year around February, I believe. That's right. Yes, so this is Low Down Bay from Baobab. I'm in the studio here with Phil Torres, and we will be back soon with some more talk about crowdsource, electronic music, and lots of local stuff. So you're listening to Carolina Grown, and you're listening to Baobab right here on WKNC 88.1.
WKNC 88.1. You guys are listening to Carolina Grown. Uh, you were just checking out a track from Baobab called Low Dallum Bay. And as I have mentioned earlier, I am here in the studio with Phil Torres, uh, formerly of Baobab. And he is now creating music under the name Crowdsource. And Crowdsource, it's the you've got some shows coming up. And are I these going to yes. be your first outings as Crowdsource? Have you done this live before? Okay, I've never done it live. So what what is your setup going to be like? I'm interested. I'm always really interested in seeing how people uh, really present their electronic music live because I feel like it it's a totally different aspect of the music that normally bands don't really have to worry about. They're like, yeah, we'll get up there and play instruments. But with electronic stuff, it's a lot different. You have to kind of engage the audience in a different way. So mm-hmm. how are you setting this up? Um, so uh, the plan is to do some live uh, audio mixing as well as some live video mixing. Uh, so e- even with, with Baobab, uh, I was really into film. You know, I did a bunch of music videos. I ha- actually had one of the, the videos shown at, uh, at um, the, I'm forgetting the name now, uh, f- uh, Big Music Festival, uh, Film Festival in Raleigh, uh, Sp- SparkCon, of course. Gotcha. My apologies. Um, so I had one of the, the film shows, SparkCon, also the Carbro Film Festival, and so on. Uh, I've made connections with a number of filmmakers, who, uh, some of whom are really quite extraordinary, like Christoph Mollen is an Austrian uh, filmmaker, does nighttime time-lapse stuff. Um, another friend of mine just did a, a music video for 100 Waters. That's awesome. Uh, and it's a, it's a tremendous, he's, he's a really brilliant uh, filmmaker. So I have a, I have a long history uh, of, of interest, at the very least, in, uh, you know, very strong interest in film. Um, so even there were, uh, last summer there was a time when, when I sort of stopped playing shows as Baobab, uh, in part because shows were extremely difficult uh, to do with, with Baobab. Uh, just by because of the the nature of the the compositions right. being, being really like you know vertically dense you know lots of different layers and uh, so rather than play shows I did a kind of mini tour with a projector and I had almost fifty minutes of music videos that I had done uh, another music video in fact uh, I did with my partner and will be on uh, a, an Adult Swim show oh that's awesome uh, off the air called Off the Air. Uh, so, so basically, I just went around to you know, all, all the way kind of up the the East Coast and found buildings in urban areas like abandoned buildings that had reasonably uh, reflective walls, and set up my projector and then some speakers and just played the the videos. Um, so that was that was sort of a uh, a workaround because the show was difficult. Right. I still was able to go into a public space and it, it could be like a public. Uh, event where people, you know, gather together and and enjoy the films. Um, so, anyways, all, the whole point of all that is that's led me to the present where I'll do some audio mixing, and then I have a huge library of videos that I've done as well as a bunch of other people like like Michael Lankin, the Hundred Waters uh, director, uh, have done, and I'll just mix the them live. Uh, so it it should be you know. Hopefully, it should be an interesting uh, audiovisual kind of right. kind of experience. Yeah, it seems like I I had heard a bit about these sort of like visual projection shows that you had going on. Yeah, um, I remember there being a couple in Durham, and it's awesome because it all really came about. Like I remember the first time I really heard about stuff like this even happening. Yeah, was with Kanye West, uh-huh. and Kanye West did his like New Slaves projection, and I feel like 
a lot of stuff like that, the Daft Punk stuff. It's really opened up the world of like music performance and marketing to go into these unconventional spaces. And um, so what? how much do you take into account of the environment that's going on around these little projection areas? Um, like how much sonically are you like, okay, will this bounce off of this wall? Like, or uh-huh. is it just kind of like, all right, this is going to be a cool area that we can check it out. Let's post up some speaker, speakers and see how it sounds. Right. Uh, I mean, there was some, some thoughts. Uh, uh, I think I was more concerned about uh, maybe the, the wall. Um, Which is a, a legitimate concern when sure. you're projecting an image on a wall. A- absolutely. Um, but I really like the idea uh, that even though the videos were, were the same each time, uh, I mean exactly the same, um, nonetheless each event ended up being a little bit different because there they were different walls. And all the, the walls, every wall uh, reflects light just a little bit differently. Some had, you know, peeling uh, paint, which would, would uh, modify the way the image looks. You know, right. if it's like green peeling paint, then you have, you know, the greens on that, at that point being reflected less because they're being absorbed by the, the surface. Um, so it ended up, I, I mean, it was sort of exciting in that uh, it, could, it could still be very uh, particular, you know, these particular events. Um, in you know a particular place particular time um yeah yeah and so one one thing i guess we can go ahead and dig right into is what was the main motivation behind switching from baobab to crowdsource obviously the shows was a big aspect because despite how enjoyable all of those live shows were i can definitely sense that it was a big production to kind of get it all together and have it go Similarly to the studio recordings, so yes, was that yeah. the main motivation towards switching to, to crowdsource? Um, that that was definitely a major factor. Uh, to you know, the way we ended up doing the live show with with Baobab, I had a drummer, uh, Josh Stoll, uh, who's really really good drummer and um, uh, really helped sort of uh, solve some of the, these problems. Uh, so I had drummer, and then my partner Whitney Tratine played keys. And I had a loop pedal, and I had three tracks on the loop pedal, and we re- would record live drums, uh, keyboard, bass, guitar, uh, and vocals, even for Spring Forward. Uh, so, you know that that was kind of interesting. It's 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 uh, it, it might you know it was kind of interesting doing it. I think the the audience uh, found it somewhat interesting watching you sort of recreate those, but it was also a little bit cumbersome. It took a while to get the the song up and running. Yeah. You know? um, so I really felt like with with Baobab, uh, insofar as the songs were were well written and interesting, uh, aesthetically or cognitively, whatever, uh, it was exactly those parts that were the hardest to recreate <laughs> live. So you know, a lot of the songs were two or three chords. If right. I were to do an acoustic version, it would be really boring. You know, and some of the verses would repeat, except the second time I'd have an extra layer of vocals right, or some backings. Right. And that's what would make it it, uh, it non-redundant when you're listening to the recorded thing. But live, if I were to have played that, it would have been the most boring thing ever. Um, so it was a real struggle. And also, I, I feel like Baobab, uh, I had some luck with it in terms of success. But it just, was, it just wasn't, you know, I just had a, a song in a GoPro commercial. Right. Um, so that's... That's maybe the the pinnacle right. of Baobab's, you know, sort of commercial success. Um, but otherwise, I guess I was frustrated with. I felt like it, the 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 songs fell into a genre which 
you know, it's kind of booksy, it's kind of volcano quarry right. a little bit, but it's not a genre that's super big and not around here even. I mean, it's hard to, you know, it was hard to get interest from other musicians even uh, in, in the music. And I, I think that was more because the, of the, the genre, Definitely. This, these electronic aspects. Hopefully, I mean, it could have been people just didn't like the, the music, <laughs> but I think it might have had to do more with just the flavor. Yeah, of, of it seems like some things that the unique acts around here really have to deal with is struggling to find people to pair shows with. Like, yeah, and I know sure. it's, I was talking with uh, Jelly Sissoho last week and mm-hmm. them of all people, this like West African music that's mm-hmm. very, like, very different from anything that other people have going on here, and right. and extremely good. Ex- I, yes, I would add. Yeah. and b- as a side note, they yeah. have their album release show tonight at the Cat's Cradle, which is going to be a really awesome, awesome event. Um, but moving back towards crowdsource, <laughs> um, it's it's something that is also really cool about acts like that because yeah. you know that I've talked about this with them last week actually, is that there you can still find these aspects of your music that work well together because let's for example the shows you guys have coming up um you're playing at the makery with the faces blur uh in durham uh next saturday on the 22nd which of mm-hmm. course the faces blur coming in during the next hour mm-hmm. um but the nightlight you guys are playing with daughter element which is kind of a post-rocky type thing but i i can see it working yeah because it's it's got a lot of the experimental aspects and it's it's those things where i see lineups with acts that I'm like, okay, well, you kind of scratch your head at it at first, and then you get to check it out, and it's like, all right, well, this worked awesomely. I'm, right, I'm right. excited for it. Yeah. So are there any particular acts around here that you think that uh, Crowdsource would mesh really well with? Um, well, I, I guess as we were mentioning before, uh, there isn't a real big scene around here. Uh, that's that's maybe both to my advantage and my disadvantage, because uh, I'm you know sort of... Uh, it may be a little more visible, uh, just just by virtue of me being uh, right. in a different genre. Um, but it is harder to to find uh, people to to play shows with. Uh, personally, I have no problem whatsoever uh, mixing genres. I actually right. really really like that. It it seems like um, you know uh, you know you can make the show more colorful and interesting if you have you know uh, a, a folksy group, electronic group. Uh, you know, maybe some some kind of rap uh, group. Definitely. Um, so I don't have any issue with with a kind of motley lineup, um, but but yeah, uh, uh, but but I think a lot of people do prefer something more yeah uniform. I feel like so that makes a it lot of people want it to just kind of go down smoothly. And yeah. it's like you know what you're getting from the whole set, and right. It's but it's just so. I don't want to say bland because it's cool when you when one of those works, but it's also cool to see an act where you're like, "Wow, I really did not expect that," and yeah. it blew me away because right. those are ultimately the most memorable. And I feel like when you've got music like this, and like we're here with the faces blur, and yeah. there's kind of a small little scene that's coming up with that, mm-hmm. but it makes for shows where if you get to see someone that's totally off base from everyone else, it's a special moment. Like with mm-hmm. towers. Uh, Towers has their new live setup, very electronic based, very formulated, and I really enjoy it. And when we had him at uh, the Double Barrel Benefit uh, earlier in February, it was just mind blowing at the Cat's Cradle to see, you know, like indie rock, Ghost Blonde, indie rock, Hammer and More of the Fingers, indie rock, Love Language, right. and then this weird sort of almost like LCD sound system, disco y like Towers yeah. take. Right, right. And it's always really nice to get to see those juxtapositions musically and how they still work out. And there's yeah. 
there's a couple acts off the top of my head that I'm like, wow, this would be really cool to see all of this stuff with, uh-huh. but it'll also be cool to see how it all goes together. I'm excited for it, and the good listeners out in Radio Land are going to get to check out another track from uh, the Crowdsource EP, which will not be out for a while. It will be out in June. June, the end of yes. June, yes. And it It'll called- be out on Hush Hush Records, by the way, so th- that's the reason awesome. they, they wanted... Lots of time to, yeah. uh, to set up promos. Which is always good to hear when some locals get get picked up on some labels, especially yeah. labels that aren't right around here, because our scene can be very incestuous, <laughs> and everyone can definitely stick to their own little corner. Right. But it's cool to see people getting to branch out. So we are going to listen to Gone Up from Bitrot Blues, which is EP that is going to be coming out in June, right here from Crowdsource. Uh, don't go anywhere, though. We are going to have a bit more conversation. Uh, we still have about half an hour left on this segment, and then after that, I will be joined by Adam from the Faces Blur, and we are going to talk a lot about the video projection stuff. We're going to talk a lot about the same stuff, just packaged differently, though. So we are getting ready to listen to Gone Up from Crowdsource right here on Carolina Grown on WKNC 88.1.
WKNC 88.1. You guys were just listening to another new track from Crowdsource. That was called Gone Up. And that is from that EP Bit Rot Blues that's going to be coming out in June, uh, towards the end of June, around the 20th, um, on Hush Hush Records. And I'm still talking a bit more with Phil Torres of Crowdsource. And I... I want to know what you said. You haven't really forayed too much into electronic music, listening-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, who who were you listening to that kind of got you into the like? All right, well, I should start doing this electronic stuff. Right. Um. So, let's see. I I really got into uh uh so, some songs of some albums of of Diplo. Um. I found to be to be pretty inspiring. There's actually a bunch of uh, bands or groups, producers on his label, right? That I think are are really quite good. So so for me, just uh, uh, just as background, like what really attracts me to to music is creativity. Um, so obviously that means different, slightly different things, or right. maybe maybe vastly different things to different people. Um, but it's really you know I I I liked Animal Collective. For many years, I, I lived in Baltimore for a little bit. I remember seeing them before they were they were real big. It, before the Animal Collective, right? Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know the 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 monumental yeah. you know, the, the institution. Um, so I really like them because I thought they were just immensely creative. Um, so, anyways, uh, I start just you know sort of uh, with some abandon, just sort of listening to uh, to different electronic uh, producers. And if they were interesting, you know, if they did something that was musically interesting or compositionally interesting, or if they were, they just did something that was really nice to listen to, um, I was very attracted to it. So, so initially Diplo, I, I listened to a lot of Flume. I listened to um, uh, Flying Lotus a lot. Um, I mean, at this point, there, there are a lot. Mount Kimpy's good. I really like Disclosure. Definitely. Uh, disclosure, not just in terms of composition, but uh, their sound is is extraordinarily good. I, is is as far as I'm concerned, it's yeah. some of the best sounding music. It's very full. Uh, the low end sounds great. It's just very balanced, and um, so they've been inspiring in terms of uh, just the sonic, you know, in terms of mixing and mastering, which I do for, for right. Songs. And I can definitely see that even just with listening to Gone Up, like the the little rhythm that you had in it with the keys, it's it's very disclosurey, very like a little bit of the house influence going on, and yeah, but kind of fraying into different territories. And I can also the minute you said Diplo, it just suddenly like clicked for me because he does a lot of the kind of like. I don't say like reappropriation, but he kind of did bring like the Jamaican dancehall stuff to the forefront for yeah. stateside and into the electronic dance music scene. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people really write Diplo off now because he's one of the like big, like huge figureheads. Right, people right. are like, oh yeah, Diplo. But Diplo is still like, he's a pretty innovative dude. Like, and Mad Decent does have a lot of really, really awesome stuff yeah. on it. So yeah, absolutely. It's a really. It's like a double-edged sword with folks like that because a lot of people I feel like are just going to write him off because of like, yeah, well, he has girls like sitting upside down and kind of like expressing <laughs> true, themselves. Yes. But on the <laughs> other hand, it's like the dude is making really cool, innovative music. Yeah. And I can definitely see a lot of that coming in. And that is another thing I want to talk about too with the the samples that you choose to incorporate. Mm-hmm. We were talking a bit about the field recordings that you used in Baobab during the break. Yeah. And there's a lot of sort of like 
African chant vocalizing stuff going on. Um, where do you draw these from and how do you select it and be like, okay, I think this would be really cool to work in this particular song? Yeah. Um, so one, I just try to listen to as much, uh, as much stuff as I possibly can. Um, so I guess, you know, uh, a year ago or so I listened just, just to be, to be culturally literate. I listened to Skrillex and, you know, he has the, the one song, uh, you know, call 911. Right. There's the other one where Scary she says, monsters and Sc- nice yeah. sprites. Uh, I'm sad the girl, and excited, I know that. <laughs> yeah, there's the girl who sh- who also shouts, uh, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Uh, who happens to be at Duke, and my 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 partner just uh, interviewed her actually uh, for for a blog on social media. Uh, so I thought it was very interesting that he had, you know, gathered these clips. In fact, I had come aclo- across some of those clips on my own independently before I even listened to it. So that sort of inspired me to to scour YouTube. Basically, every sample I use is from YouTube. Awesome. It's downloaded. I, I have a YouTube downloader. I download the video. I import the audio into to Pro Tools. Um, so I listen to a lot of stuff I'm really attracted to. Uh, maybe this is even consistent with what we were saying about mixing different genres in terms of a show lineup. I really like taking all sorts of disparate uh, elements, different so- d- disparate sounds. or uh, you, you know. So one of the songs, for example, has has a sample from the turtles uh their big hit I, i'm forgetting what it's called off the top of my head and it's the middle of the song that's acapella where they just go bah, 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 like that and it's reversed and then i have a pixies sample where they go you think i'm dead like that and then there's bjork under that and she's doing <laughs> this clutter crash you know this very yeah uh, weird you know bjork thing bjork thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you um I have in that same song. There's Def Leppard. Um, ah, there's there's several others. I, I use I use the uh, Double Rainbow guy in several songs. In fact, I I isolated individual awesome. like where he goes woo. He likes you know uh, sort of howls. Yeah. Just isolate that note, pitch shift it into the the song. Put some some delay, and it, it actually sounds like this beautiful, you know, like a almost operatic awesome. uh, sort of singing. Um, so that so that's sort of how you know I try to get all these different elements, uh, mix them together into some interesting uh, musical patchwork, and then uh, sometimes I will then build the song around that. Sometimes I already have a, a like an idea for some kind of little melodic motif or something. Um, other times I get these samples, and you know as soon as I heard the Bjork, I thought that's. You know, I don't want to listen to the original. I didn't right. know the original. I don't want to listen to it. I want to build my own song around it. And then I'll listen to the original yeah. later because I want it to be totally different, to- totally recontextualize that that sample. Um, so, yeah, that's okay. That's <laughs> awesome. That's I. I don't know what I was expecting, but it's not what I was expecting, and it's exciting in the same sense that that I I'm not the only one that takes things from YouTube and <laughs> kind yeah. of cuts them up. I don't really oh. know how I mean this sampling is such a fascinating issue right now. Uh I as far as I know like before 1991 uh nobody had to clear samples or anything like that. Uh fair use was I mean unless you you it was some egregious copy right of, right. You know and then there was there was some radical shift overnight suddenly you had to clear samples and uh and as a result, exactly the opposite of the point of copyright law, creativity was like hugely stifled, because it's it's re- one really costly to get 
samples cleared. It also right. may take months to to get you know to be able to get the right person in some huge like corporate hierarchy to to give the okay. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I was I was really inspired by Girl Talk, and uh, uh, and a number of other artists who uh, take seriously the original intent of copyright law, uh, protect artists, and to to foment encourage the right. progress of the arts. Um, so I take seriously that, and and uh, within the, the the constraints of fair use, have ended have tr try to get as many different interesting samples as possible, recontextualize and mix and gather. Pitch shift, reverse, you know, whatever. Yeah. To to create something that's that's genuinely new from bits that uh, have already been uh, created. And it's it's bringing up the copyright issues because I feel like a lot of electronic artists and even hip hop artists too recently have to deal with a lot of this stuff. I know just off the top of my head, um, Danny Brown had to put a tr his album back because of copyright issues. I know Kanye West got sued over the Bound Two sample. Yeah, yeah, it's there's just so much stuff that you see happening where, like you mentioned, the music is totally recontextualized, but it still is grounds for people to make money off of it. And it's yeah, it's, that's the problem with the copyright laws. It's it's there. It hasn't caught up to the 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 times. Not I mean the ethics of the time because there is an ethical component to copyright stuff, um, but it hasn't caught up to to where art is. And that's left room for these companies or individuals uh, to come in and use copyright as a lever to just, you know, suck money from from people who are otherwise doing like really good art and have good intentions. And uh, I, I think there's one company that all it does is buy the copyrights of songs and then sp spends their, their days looking for people who have used these songs. So it's... It's a, a real shame. Frank Ocean just got yeah. sued for having a sample within of a sample. Yeah, the Mary J. Blige sample. Sample. Yeah. So uh, that's. I mean, that's just a real a real shame. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's bad for for culture as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. But I also think that the the moral issue, I guess, or the ethical issue that some people have. Is where where would you draw the line on that? Where would you draw the line at a sample where you see it's like, yeah, I don't approve of that. Yeah. Um, well, I think first of all, it's worth pointing out that uh, you know, so, so the the next EP, I, I have two EPs. Uh, the first one is is the one we've been talking about, and there's another one that's pretty much done. It'll be a couple uh, a couple months after that, and that's called that one's going to be called combinatorial creativity, um, which I think is is a redundant term. Because I think virtually all creativity is about combining. I mean, nothing is is totally original. You're always drawing on on the work of other people. You're always standing on the, sh the shoulders of people. Definitely. Um, so everything is. Uh, I mean, sampling is 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 not new in kind. It's just new in. It's just a, a little bit a different version of something that is is happening all the time. You know, uh, imitation is the the fundamental mechanism of cultural you know, uh, evolution. Um, so for me, this, the sample, um, uh, I mean, it seems perfectly, uh, I, I mean, the, the, typically the, the, the guidelines are, it has to be transformative. It, you know, it has to be, right. it can't be derivative. It, it, you know, um, it has, so recontextualizing sort of one way to transform, um, pairing it with other, with different, you know, sounds or melodies or other samples or something is another way to, to transform it. Uh, and 
the idea being you can't you can't substitute somebody else's creativity for your own. Um, so and then I think the other the other more like like economic issue is you can't uh, if people are not going to buy the original because of the other version, then I I feel like there's there's right. like an ethical issue where you should be. So so I I mean I have thoughts. I mean these are guidelines for for my own composition. I think they're guidelines for a lot of electronic. People, you know, the books used all sorts of samples, um, and I don't think there's any financial damage to any anybody they sampled. Uh, I can guarantee they didn't get clearance, and a right. lot of those things from even the VHS, those are copyrighted for like 150 years or some like huge amount of time. Yeah, it's an absurd amount of time that like the the when it finally goes into public domain, it's it's just nuts. Like I believe there's still. Like early 1900, like Disney works and such that still aren't in the public domain. Like it's absolutely that's totally true. Yeah, it's just and it seems like what is the point of copyright? Like there is definitely a point to it, but when it's you know I've, I I have seen so many interviews with people from like Flying Lotus to to even Diplo, and they're just like you know I just can't really do what I want to do. Yeah, because there's the all these ridiculous you know unnecessary ridiculous. Uh, uh, walls and obstructions all over the place. Um, so, anyways, I, I mean, I, I I have kind of an activist uh, stance. My my partner also went to MIT, and she knew a whole bunch of people, like the guy who who uh, accru- who created the the idea of copy left. Um, there was always, she was kind of in a circle with like uh, people who knew Aaron Schwartz, who was the the really incredibly tragic figure, uh, investigated investigated by the FBI for stealing JSTOR. Uh, uh, articles, academic articles, and then making them available to other academics. <laughs> and he was facing like, you know, d- many decades of prison time. Um, and and he eventually, you know, committed suicide. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's. I'm, I feel kind of passionate about the issue, and I, I feel I have a kind of activist stand. Uh, I think copyright law needs to change definitely and do what it was meant to too right and just adopt to the modern times like it's yeah, foster it's, the arts it's, yeah While it's very very antiquated at this point and um we've we've mentioned flying lotus quite a bit during this yes. segment, and <laughs> i have made no attempts at like sheltering my flying lotus obsession um, but one of the things i really like about flying lotus's style is not only does he kind of incorporate the electronic a little bit of the jazz a little bit of the ambient a little bit of the indie rock like yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there yeah but uh the past year or two, he he produced a hip hop project, Captain mm-hmm. Murphy, and um, have you thought of making any forays into making like hip hop beats? Uh, so I actually do have a song up on SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've seen this or not. The Drake the Drake the, remix. The Drake remix. Um, so it was originally done to to one of Drake's songs, where I just I just took all the vocals uh, and didn't or or barely modified them at all, and then created a song around the, the vocals. Um, but there's no reason. I mean, I put it up, uh, I, I put just the, the instrumental part up right. on, on SoundCloud for people to download. So if there's anybody listening who wants, who's looking for a backing track for a rap, <laughs> or even you could sing over it. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities. It's a free download. And all I would ask is that you just let me know because I would love to see what, what people do with it. Right. Um, but but yeah, absolutely. I'd be, I'm very interested in like, you know production and stuff. I I, I produced the uh, the Virgin's Family Band, uh, their most recent song called Creme Brulee, 
uh, which people should check out because it's it's really cool. It's it's wonderful, and it's one of those. They're they're proven to be one of those bands that is making that leap into a bit more of the electronic experimentation territory. Seems which, to be where they're going, which yeah. is really exciting yeah. because they were already fantastic and they were already killing exactly what they do, and then they add a whole new element into it. Right, and it's right. just it's one of those things where when you when you get to hear an artist transform like that. And t- similar to what we've seen with Baobab turning to crowdsource, it's mm-hmm. just awesome to kind of see the creative process almost laid out for you. It's like, well, you can kind of see how they're drawing inspiration and what they're creating yeah, and how that kind of all comes together in their output. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's, I make zero attempts at hiding the fact that I get really geeked out about stuff like this, but <laughs> it's, it's something that really excites me, and I'm yeah. glad to see that you, you made the foray into the, the dance music territory, because yeah. I remember when I first heard Baobab, I'm like, man, this would be really cool, it's like, it's just solely, <laughs> solely electronic project, I really like the folk, yeah. but this would also be really cool, so I'm glad that the transition has been made, and it's, yeah, cool. it's nice. really exciting stuff, and we are going to get to play a track that you mentioned is not on this EP. Is it going to be on the EP after that, or is this just going to be a totally just um, unreleased? It, it, I'm not sure at this, this time. I, I, it'll probably be on the EP, but at the moment, it's just kind of a floating song, so awesome. to speak. Well, we are getting ready to hear that track. It is called Incarnadine uh, right here on Carolina Grown on WKNC. We are going to be closing out this hour in a couple of minutes, and then I will be joined by Adam from the Faces Blur, and we are going to talk a whole bunch more about electronic music. So hopefully you guys have still got plenty of listening in you um, because the show will end uh, somewhere around 545. We have a baseball game airing at 6. And the games, we have a pregame that goes on around 545, so I'm going to try and fit in as much as I can. Um, after that, we are going to maybe get in a little bit of electronic music from around the state as well. Um, I know coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, there is going to be a really awesome electronic show at the Poorhouse um, with uh, Robots Win and Marley Carroll, which are two really, really awesome electronic artists from out in Asheville. Um, so definitely stay tuned. You'll get to hear some new electronic music. And right now we are listening to that new track from Crowdsource called Incarnadine right here on Carolina Grown on WKNC 88.1.
Palmer.